0: Welcome to the Energy Fellows Podcast, where each episode is designed to share expertise and experiences from U.S. and global energy fellows. They provide direction and possible solutions for ultimate journey results. Here's your host, Mark Stansberry. Enabling best-in-class customer experience and operational excellence in a hyper-connected oil and gas world, TCS prioritizes problem-solving and leverages customer insights to drive real business results. To find out more, go to tcs.com. That's tcs.com. Welcome to another episode of the Energy Fellows Podcast. I'm Mark Stansbury, your host. First of all, I want to welcome you, but also I want to ask that you go to the show notes. And in the show notes, you'll find a survey. And that survey, it takes about 10 seconds to go to and answer one question. And it'll provide you with stickers for your hard hats or for your laptop, whatever, please go to that survey. We'd love to hear from you about the survey on the Energy Fellows. And also, under the show notes, you'll find also some information about rating and reviews. We'd like to hear from you as far as reviews, as far as the ratings that you provide as well. We'd love to hear about that. And also, look at the other show notes involved in regard to OGGN. I really thank OGGN for all their support and efforts here. Based out of Houston, OGGN, Mark LaCour, with Paige, and Michael, and Audrey, and all those that are involved with OGGN, we thank them for all their work in providing energy news issues and views. And that's what we're going to be talking about today is we're going to be talking about energy issues and views update. We'll be doing this on occasion because I think it's very important that we do that for sure. To keep everybody updated on what's going on in our industry and then I hope that you'll provide us some questions and hopefully we provide you some answers along the way because we'd love to hear from you about activities that you have in your areas so we can put those on the calendar we'd like to hear if you have any speaking engagements that we need to be part of anything that you would like to reach out to us would love to assist in that effort so please keep that in mind Along the way, because we'd like to stay involved with your community, your state, and on a national level as well. There's a lot of activities going on from our perspective with OGGN, but also with the documentary that we put together here called Sherwood Forest Top Secret. It's a team of us that put that together, and we were pleased that I think I already mentioned in one of the shows that it came out on OETA, statewide Oklahoma, and that was December 29th of 2022. And since that time, we've had it shown on uh, different views as far as Oklahoma History Center has a form that you can fill out and get information about how you can have schools or universities or organizations get access to the documentary for their viewing. It doesn't cost anything. It's more of a educational tool for history's sake. It's definitely historical. The documentary, Sugar Reef Force, Top Secret, it was back in 1943 era. In that time frame, there were a group of wool men that, and roughnecks, I should say, that went from America over to England, and they lived in a monastery. That's a catch right there. I think you can listen to our podcast episode with Barry Corbin, who is an actor and our narrator of Sherwood Forest. He set the tone that way. He talks about Sherwood Forest, where there's definitely roughnecks living in a monastery, which really is a of interest already. But then beyond that, it's just a story of men that sacrificed a great deal to drill wells where there was only about 150 barrels of oil being produced, 300 barrels of oil at the top to produce up to 3,000 barrels of oil per day in over a year time frame. And the oil was used in D-Day as well. So quite an historical effort by these Roughnecks that went about 40 plus, went over to England and in Sherwood Forest, where you've probably heard about Robin Hood and all that, that's where it took place. And they drilled enough wells to help the war effort in World War II. Eighty years later, it's quite a story. So hopefully you'll go see about that. Last I saw, that was listed on PBS.org, Sherwood Forest, Top Secret. Also, I want you to be aware of an update that I have on a book, America Needs, America's Energy, Creating Together the People's Energy Plan. I put that together back and released it back in 2012. There's a monograph, and I worked with some graduate students on this to provide a monograph that's called America Needs America's Energy and Its Natural Resources. And I hope that this monograph, which is a supplement to the book in 2012, and this uh, monograph came out late 2022, you can go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and some other outlets, and it's on ebook as well as America Needs, America's Energy, Creating to Together. The People's Energy Plan is on ebook, but also hard copies as well. Uh, I hope you'll go and look that up. But I have some other books in the past that I would like to mention because it's showing a history of what my life has been as far as I had a book called The Acquisition Process, Due Diligence, Minimize Risk, Maximize Return, co-authored with a gentleman out of Dallas. And we put this together back in 1991, went on the circuit in 1992, There wasn't a whole lot going on at that time in regard to books and so forth that you could turn to when it came to acquisitions in the oil and gas industry. And so we felt like this was a needed thing as far as a handbook. So we wound up having seminars and conferences and you name it throughout 1992, um, going to Bakersfield and Houston and Dallas and Denver and talking about you know from the beginning of the initial offer, development, purchase agreement to all the way through the conversion process. And we tried to detail as best we could as to the process itself when you're going through a due diligence, which is very important in the mergers and acquisitions business that there was especially for the land side of it, but also tied in not only landmen, but also geologists, engineers, and geophysicists, attorneys from the legal standpoint, accounting and so forth, how it all works really was kind of overview and how effective the land side of it along with finance could be if it had the right tools. So uh, again, that was a book. It's out of print. It was a handbook. That's what got me started really in the writing books. And then, uh, then there was the next book that I came out with was called The Breaking Point. That was America's Energy Dreams and Global Economic Realities. It came out. It's called B, it's spelled, that is B R B-R-A-K-I-N-G Point, The Breaking Point. I co-authored that with a gentleman that helped me through putting it together in a proper way to make presentations. And it was well-received and 2007. And then along the way, we had a book, America Needs, America's Energy, that is. It's called America's Energy's Issues and Views. And that was volume one. Came up with a book, similar title, America's Energy. And this was a, again, uh, Energy Views, Issues and Views, that is, volume two. And those two books came out right after, a few years after the book, The Breaking Point. And then, as I mentioned, we had a book, or I had a book, that is, American Needs, America's Energy, Creating Together the People's Energy Plan. That came out in 2012, and then followed by the uh, monograph, which came out in 2022. So again, you can go to Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and look those up as well. I would mentioned a documentary. One of my episodes I'd mentioned about working with a gentleman who had been involved with the movie business out in Hollywood for years, and we formed a company. And we also had a documentary, some documentaries along the way. One was called The Grand Energy Transition. And in that documentary, we talked about how that, you know, from coal to oil to gas to hydrogen and what the future was looking like. And, and so that's in the documentary back in 2012. And then we have the documentary that just came out in 2022 as well. And again, I hope you'll have a chance to see both of those. And the monograph, going back to the monograph, it really is for debate and dialogue. And so in that monograph, the book, it's really an easy read, and it really talks about, you know, starts off with uh, crude oil and it goes to natural gas and then talks about hydrogen and wind and solar and biomass and so forth, biofuels. So I hope you get a chance to see and compare and debate and dialogue and be in a constructive way because the future of energy depends on all of us, and that's so important that we have this opportunity to dialogue, and will we have differences of how to approach it, sure, But we need to be able to discuss those in a proper way. And I think we can do that. So I started a conference that I'd mentioned about in one of the episodes as well, called the International Energy Policy Conference. And that was created in 1992 because I felt the same issue. And that was there was needed a debate, there was needed dialogue. And so the conference was started at the University of Oklahoma. Dr. Gus Gertz is the energy center, who is the executive director. He, He and I created this plan to get this done that year, and we did. And thanks to him, I came up with this concept, and he said, let's do it. So we had the first international energy policy conference that I was involved with, with the University of Oklahoma. That same conference went on to have efforts, have a conference, that is, uh, events at Oklahoma State University, Houston, and Dallas, and Denver, Washington, D.C. several times, Oklahoma City, Tulsa, and some other areas. And it was for debate and dialogue. It was really not just for, it was for all stakeholders. And so we had those that came from overseas as well. We had several countries represented through the years at that point from Venezuela, Bulgaria, from China, from Mexico, and some other countries. So Jean Kirkpatrick, former ambassador to the United Nations, fellow Oklahoman, was honorary chair several times, and she was a very great supporter of the conference and our energy Issues that we we're trying to debate and dialogue on. And so she wanted to see that that kept going forward. So I mentioned that because sometime this year we'll have a meeting, a conference of sorts, a roundtable, an event to honor that, the years of the conference, but also those that were involved. There are several that have gone on that were very involved with it. And there are several that are still being leaders in their communities and their state and the nation internationally as well that definitely would like to talk about what their contributions were and their efforts. And so we'll do something this year about that as well. So again, talking about the book, talking about the documentary, we talked about also the conference. Another thing I want to mention about as far as uh, talking about energy issues and views, I do give talks around the country, have been involved in numerous speaking engagements with National Association of Royalty Owners, for example, and at their national conventions through the years in Little Rock, Albuquerque, Las Vegas, Oklahoma City, Tulsa, and other cities, and definitely have other organizations been involved with far speaking, and that's with Desk and Derek, PPDM, and that's spoke at their annual conference in Houston just a few years ago, twice actually in the last five years, and the talks throughout, uh, as I mentioned, across the country. So I'm always available to discuss how I can work with organizations and making presentations. Also, had a talk or have spoken before the Louisiana Oil and Gas Association as a keynote for their annual convention a few years back and other organizations like that and Shreveport Wildcatter Association, San Antonio Wildcatter Association. Anyway, I love to make presentations and talk about energy. It's really on my heart, on my mind, and so anytime I can assist at the universities or at your organizations or whatever, and make presentations to talk about energy views and issues, please let me know, or if I can help locate some folks to speak as well. I know OGGN has several speakers available through their host podcast, and so my family at OGGN is always there to assist as well in that effort. So again, keep that in mind along the way. Also, I have a column in Oilman Magazine. This is beginning my 10th year in May. And as a columnist or a contributing editor, I really, really support all the efforts that Emmanuel Sullivan, who's one of the contributing members of the founding of Energies Magazine and Oil Woman Magazine, and he started out with Oil Man Magazine as far as purchasing that company back or the magazine several years ago. I really appreciate working with him and his leadership as well. I really like writing and having a column each time have, over the last nine years, starting the 10th year here in May, and go to Oilman Magazine. And also, if I can hear from you, or like I mentioned about doing reviews and ratings and so forth like that, it's really helpful if you'll guide me along the way of topics you want me to write about or talk about on the podcast, and especially on the columns, please let me know what I can address, and I will definitely look forward to hearing from you on that as well. Well, there's so many issues before us today. We're challenged, aren't we? when it comes to energy, you know, which way do we go? We hear a lot of, demoniz- you know, as far as downgrading of the oil and gas business, demonizing the oil and gas business and so forth. When I believe we should embrace all forms of energy, I believe we have that opportunity to look at it, how we can work together. And that's why I mentioned the dialogue and so forth. Are transition's gonna happen most definitely. Uh, when it comes to energy, there you look back to the history, you know, from uh, well oil to uh, wood to uh, coal, on and on, how it's evolved. And through these years, how energy transitions have occurred. We definitely need the debate. We definitely need the dialogue. And I hope that we'll look at it from the standpoint of how we can look at oil and natural gas and how they can move forward and transforming us to a new future. There's thousands and millions of people that need energy that we don't have. For example, when I say we don't have, they don't have, we have all the abundance and they don't have the access to all the opportunities that they need. I think of 3.5 billion folks out in throughout the world that don't have access to electricity or tonight they won't have a way to read, won't have an opportunity for watching television or listen to radio or have access to any electricity for that matter. And so we have an obligation, I believe, as far as, you know, our profession to try to step forward and help those throughout the world, provide a pathway. And so that's why it's important to look at it from a standpoint, yeah, is there climate change issues? Are there energy issues, efficiency issues, environmental issues? Definitely. In fact, one of the themes or the theme that I had for years, still have it. Is striving for energy efficiency and environmental preservation. That was the theme of the first conference in 1992. I've maintained that throughout, and several of my businesses I always include striving for energy efficiency and environmental preservation. It's so important for all of us. I think some of the issues that are before us today are definitely confronting us, or workforce development, for example. Workforce development is an issue that I'm embracing because we need to be training both young men and women as well as those that are wanting to enter the energy sector, we definitely need to help them find their their pathways. And so that's kind of a goal of mine, as well as many of my friends in the energy businesses, Let's dialogue of how can we work together to help in the workforce. Now, we need to be authentic is something that I've heard from, for example, the CEO of Align Energy Solutions in the last episode. He strongly mentioned that we need to be authentic when we're looking at talent and looking after talent, meaning that we are looking for ways to assist those that really want to change and make a difference in the world and change the world that we find the way to help that way. You know, there's several those that are looking for jobs now are not just looking for a job. They're looking how can they take their job and help society as well. So it's a good challenge to have. And part of that's ESG environmental social governance. Can ESG be a challenge for us in the industry? Yes. If not handled properly, it can be actually a threatening in a sense, but if embraced properly and work properly, uh, ESG can be good, environmental social governance, striving for energy efficiency, environmental preservation. But it, it's got to be regulated properly or mandated properly, incorporated properly. And so that's, again, part of the issues and debates. How can we create a way that Oil and gas companies, for example, can go out and invest, and they can borrow, look at loans and show a progress of how they're incorporating the ESG, but at the same time, not working them out of business because of certain rules and regulations. There's need needs to be an embrace of that, but also it's got to be done properly. And so that's what I'm asking for legislators and congressmen and others to definitely look at how can we look at all forms of energy. And make sure we have proper energy to provide for all of our country in the U.S., but throughout the world, too. There's a lot of people counting on us to get the job done. So that's important when it comes to workforce development. Also, infrastructure, a big issue. We definitely need you know support as in, in far as pipelines. Pipelines, for example, need to be up upgraded and updated on certain areas. So when we see that there's being held back on pipeline development and so forth, all that does is hurt us. And so it needs to be again done properly. It needs to be done effectively and efficiently. And environmental needs to be part of that as well in a big way. So pipelines and infrastructure, trucking sites being built, refineries, gas plants should not be taken off as far as the schedule needed things. It needs to be added actually. So hopefully there'll be those that will embrace that as well. I think of also beyond ESG and workforce development, as well as infrastructure, that is investments. We need the investors in the energy business, not just the oil and gas, but in all forms of energy. We need those that are looking in a responsible way of how they can invest, not only financially, but of their time of promoting opportunities when it comes to the energy business. And so I will encourage those that can be involved listen to energy podcast, other energy podcast, look at opportunities to be part of different organizations that will support the energy industry. We need your support. We need your help. I encourage you to be part of that answer. So many things before us that we didn't have back in when I first got started from 46 years ago. Back then, didn't have an iPhone. and We didn't have the you know opportunities that we've had now as far as computers and so forth that we have updated today. Now we're looking at AI and robotics, where do they fit in? And I believe they have a place, but I believe we also need to make sure that they're all responsible the electric vehicle and so forth, that all those things, energy security, another issue that comes to mind that how do we maintain our energy security at the same time help the world in that regard. So, and then we're looking at clean energy we definitely can embrace that, and I hope that we do. I call it energy for all the world that we need to look at. Energy for all the world, and I mentioned that just a few minutes ago. Reliability can we look at as far as reliable? How reliable is the source when we talk about oil and gas, wind, solar, and other forms of energy? SPR that's something the that Strategic Petroleum and Reserve, I'm really concerned about how we're using the SPR because I believe that it could be definitely a great thing to have, but if we run short and we do have a crisis, what do we do? And it was really made for crisis. I have a great interview with Elena Melkert, who was director of DOE's Department of Energy's oil and gas upstream for many years, served under seven presidents, and she was very instrumental in the SPR. And hopefully you go to that podcast, that episode that is, to listen. In fact, go to her podcast. She has a podcast of her own that talks about the effort when it comes to energy security and the involvement of DOE and so forth. And again, I've mentioned energy jobs issues. I mention all this because along the way, I'll have interviews, but i like this just to be a conversation with you, what's on my mind, what's on my heart, and open up about what we can do in the oil and gas industry and energy industry, how we can incorporate different things that can be advantageous. And so I hope that you'll take this and come back with some questions, come back with actually some answers of how we can go about improving the world as we talk about it. In our episodes or my episodes that I have as a host, I try to include tips in business, advice from others of how they have gone through their life and their successes and their failures, but how they could share those, and I hope that that's been well taken. Dashboards and metrics are very important, as I mentioned in, in the episode a few times back, is that dashboards and metrics and measurements are so vital that we keep up to date with what's on the dashboard, what's before us, what's before us, whether it's a calendar or whether it's an activity or whether it's from drilling wells and scheduling and so forth. We've got to have proper metrics to measure successes and also look at measurements when it doesn't succeed to see what we can do to make it succeed. And Talking about hydrogen, for example, is also, and a lot of these things are coming before me, by the way, I have these note cards that are handed to me with, and I put these names on here or issues or whatever it might be. And I keep these for uh, issues and views podcast episode because they're on people's minds. And so they'll come up to me and say, I'm interested in electric vehicles. Can you tell me more? And so tell me about hydrogen. And that's one of the things that's before people's before people as far as their minds. Electric vehicles definitely wants to be talked about. So there's so many things before us that I really want to keep uh, plugged in with you when it comes to all these different issues before us. And this, again, it's issues and views. We'll make this hopefully a part of our episodes along the way. And that's encouraging to you. Please review and tell me about it. And if you don't want that, just tell me that as well. I just really want this to be a conversation, a dialogue, what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show. I really want to, in fact, I want to hear from you individually. As we progress, I would like to have your notes of what you think is the best way possible to get to the future. Future generations are depending on all of us to make a difference. And so keep that in mind as we talk about this. It's the decisions we make will impact generations or set us back for generations. And that's even more concerning to me as well. We can't be set back. We've got to keep a workforce development in place. We've got to make it work. We've got to be very positive in how we look at things. So keep that in mind as well. Well, I could keep on talking, as you can tell. I'm very enthused about the energy future. At the same time, I realize the challenges, the big challenges we have. Sometimes it's really hard to continue to move forward for those that, you know, the energy industry is 24 seven. Those that contribute to this industry are on call, a lot of them. And, you know, the public expects really great results. They expect when they turn on the switch that the lights come on. They expect all these different things. The air conditioner to work and not to go out and refrigeration to be in place and all these different things and to be able to go to the filling station and have gasoline available all the time. It 24-7. Nothing stops. Everything moves. Nothing moves without energy. And with that, I think we need to just to make sure that The future for all of us depends on energy, and it depends on us. The future depends on each of us. Keep that in mind as you work this week, as you partake of energy, whether it be, again, at the filling station or turning on a switch or whatever it might be. Think about all those that are involved with it. Think of the future of all the people that need energy. And again, the future depends on all of us. You've been listening to the Energy Fellows Podcast. I'm Mark Stansbury, your host. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes of the Energy Fellows. Join us again next week on the Energy Fellows podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com.